Support for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Open Monday through Saturday until 2 with a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Our topic for today uh, are the significant rulings from the U.S. Supreme Court from yesterday. They struck down a key provision of the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, and they sent uh, California's Proposition 8 uh, back to the appellate court. We're going to get your comments on these issues. Do you think the Supreme Court got it right, and how is this going to affect you and all of us in Utah? We're going to be discussing this coming up. First of all, unfinished business from yesterday. Recall that we talked about distracted driving and a new study out from AAA and the University of Utah, which shows that even even though they're hands-free, these new so-called infotainment devices that are proliferating in our cars uh, may be unsafe. In fact, maybe as unsafe as driving drunk. We had several comments come in on Facebook. Stephen Amott says, We have only been able to use cell phones for a relatively short period of time. So the question, why do we think that we need to use them while driving when we did okay for 60 years? Trust me, there's nothing so important that it cannot wait until an individual is stationary. Then Jason Oney replies on Facebook, uh, and uh, these comments come over three comments that he posted to uh, Utah Facebook, Utah Public Radio Facebook page. On a side note, he says, it could potentially save everyone money on cell service uh, by freeing up fewer loads and making emergency calls easier to get through because uh, the network would be a lot uh, less busy. Uh, he goes on to say most companies have a zero-tolerance policy already in place for the use of cell phones while driving and require people to pull over to make and receive calls or texts, which they do check up on by calling you uh, during a road trip. Why not eliminate cell phones over, say, 10 miles per hour? They put uh, us in prison for, I think he means DUIs here, and uh, cell phones while driving are no different as far as reaction time. And finally, Jason Oney on our Facebook page says, This is an easy fix. Instead of relying on driver responsibility, use the GPS and location service on our phone to lock the phone signal while moving over a certain speed. Just need to get with phone companies who support the no texting and driving law, such as AT&T. This is what voicemail is for. Uh, by the way, I drive truck for a living and totally support safe driving by all means. And finally, uh, Stephen McIntyre writes in a couple of posts. Uh, he says, I wonder, uh, this is on our uh, email, upraxis at gmail.com. He says, I wonder if we were able to assign an actual number of fatal accidents attributable to, say, hands-free telephone use while driving. At what threshold would we want to ban it? It's an act of balancing goods, is it not? the good of reducing traffic deaths versus the good of being able to communicate well in our cars. It is of no trivial value, for instance, to be able to communicate that you are going to be late or to get directions uh, where you must be and so forth. Clearly, we don't take an absolutist view in these matters. Cars themselves are a good, and we've decided that transportation they provide is worth the number of traffic fatalities that uh, we incur every year. If we chose to eliminate danger entirely, we would ban motor vehicles entirely. We've not done that. Instead, we've accepted a certain cost in lives in exchange for modern transportation. Where lies the similar balance in exchange for modern communication? How many lives? Not zero, uh, surely. That's Stephen McIntyre. And he writes back uh, in, uh, in response to our discussion later in the program about uh, aircraft uh, safety, that we've really put an emphasis on airplane safety versus car safety. And uh, we uh, said, our guest said, and I believe I joined in, that uh, there haven't been... Uh, recent air crashes. Stephen McIntyre says, uh, not true. Uh, there was a crash in upstate New York, I think, of a commuter airline airplane a year or two ago. There have also been fatal crashes internationally. So Steve McIntyre uh, commenting there. Keep those comments coming on that topic. We turn now to the U.S. Supreme Court. As you know, yesterday they struck down a key provision of the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, declaring that same-sex couples who are legally married deserve equal rights to benefits under federal law. The court also sent California's Proposition 8, which defines marriage as only between a man and a woman, back to the appellate court. We're asking you today what you think of these rulings. Did the Supreme Court get it right? What does this mean for Utah and for you? And what comes next? Are you in favor of gay marriage? Why or why not? Utah Pride Center and 26 other groups had filed a brief with the court urging the justices to declare that gay and lesbian couples have the right to marry. 
and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, along with other churches and groups, had filed a brief supporting traditional marriage. Uh, so uh, many people in Utah very interested. And uh, we bring in now uh, people we talked to uh, on the occasion of oral arguments in March before the uh, Supreme Court. want to get their uh, reaction now that the uh, court has handed down the rulings. We bring in uh, Lynn Wardle, who's Bruce C. Haven Professor of Law at Brigham Young University. And uh, Professor Wardle, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tom. Uh, thank you for inviting me to come back and continue the discussion. And we bring back uh, Paul Burke. Uh, he's one of the lawyers who wrote a brief on uh, behalf of the Utah Pride Center. Paul Burke, welcome back to the program. Yes, thank you. It's a good day in America, and I appreciate the invitation. Later on in the program, we're going to get reaction from Valerie Larrabee, uh, Executive Director of the Utah Pride Center, and Paul Merrow with the Sutherland Institute. All along today, we're uh, hoping to get reaction from you. We already have uh, an email come in. We've we've had some uh, Facebook comments. We'll be getting to those. Keep those coming. You can uh, comment on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. You can email us at upraxis at gmail.com. And you can call us at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Let me start with uh, Paul Burke. You described this as a great day in America. Why? Because... Uh, our, our nation took a step towards becoming a more perfect union. Uh, yesterday, the Supreme Court uh, recognized that the Defense of Marriage Act and that Proposition 8 uh, are unconstitutional and have paved the way for equality across the country. Uh, equality for gay Americans is destiny, and yesterday was a watershed moment towards that destiny. Uh, Lynn Wardle, what, what's your general reaction to these two rulings? Well, I think that uh, focusing specifically on the DOMA ruling, the court's decision is really quite narrow, primarily a federalism decision, saying that, uh, it, in fact, uh, conservatives will be quite uh, cheered by the decision, uh, because the court said when it comes to the regulation of domestic relations, such as marriage, we have to, as in the federal government, defer to respect and follow the state uh, decisions. If the state decides that marriage should include same-sex couples, in the, we in the federal government have to recognize that. By the same token, if a state chooses to define marriage as uh, only between a man and a woman, we in the federal government will have to respect that as the logical implication of the decision. So the, there are two provisions of DOMA Section 3 was involved yesterday, and that was the uh, what I call the vertical decision. The vertical provision of DOMA said, for purposes of federal law, marriage is defined only as the union of a man and a woman, regardless of how any state may otherwise define it. The Supreme Court said, that's wrong. You have to recognize what the state defines as a marriage in federal law because of federalism principles. Federalism I, principles. Don't, I, I don't think that Justice Scalia would agree with Professor Wardle. Uh, in uh, Justice Scalia's uh, dissent yesterday, uh, he outlined quite clearly that the handwriting is on the wall. Uh, Justice Scalia believes that there are five votes on this court uh, to recognize marriage equality, and the majority's opinion makes clear that laws whose purpose and effect is to disparage and injure gay people are unconstitutional. And in Justice Scalia's dissent, he takes the exact language of the majority opinion and substitutes state law bans like Utah's Amendment 3 to point out that the reasoning and rationale for the majority's decision will ultimately lead to the uh, overturning and vacation of laws denigrating gay Americans like Utah's Amendment 3, like Utah's law that uh, is directed against gay teenagers and our education system and also Utah's ban on adoption. Uh, well, Justice, Justice Scalia's Scalia, dissenting opinion was joined by only two other justices, number one, and number two, uh, I read his opinion and read it a little differently. Scalia is well known for this rhetorical device. In his dissenting opinion, he takes sort of the sky is falling approach. Here's what the logic or rationale of the majority opinion can lead to, might lead to, could this lead is a to. Great moment and he's right, it certainly could lead to that, and there are some lead. activist judges that will take the majority opinion in, in, the, uh, in the DOMA case in Windsor and 
give it a very broad ago, application, but most ago, justices will not ago, do that because they'll follow the majority Justice opinion, the holding. Let's let's uh, let's move to uh, excuse me, gentlemen. Let, let, let me move to uh, maybe just a, a final word on this this part of the discussion. You're obviously disagreeing over what this might mean for the for the future. Uh, I just want to maybe to get a brief answer from each of you, uh, settling you know, ending this part of the discussion. Uh, first, with uh, Professor Wardle, you you obviously uh, say and I think it's correct that uh, this does not harm Amendment Three in Utah, for example. The states, at least at this point, can decide for themselves on this issue, um, and you don't agree with uh, with Paul Burke that uh, that this portends uh, ill for for uh, states like Utah. You're you're not reading reading that for the future. Well, it's a little more sophisticated and nuanced than that, but that is it in a nutshell. What I read is the majority opinion says very explicitly we are not addressing whether states must legalize same-sex marriage at all. Our opinion is focused exclusively on whether the federal government can refuse to recognize same-sex marriages when the Constitution has given the states the authority to regulate marriage, not given the federal government that authority. So I don't see that as having broad implications, either for Section 2 of DOMA, the horizontal full-faith and credit provision, or for state laws that prohibit same-sex marriage. The court simply very clearly and explicitly and emphatically distinguishes them. Uh, but I do agree with uh, the, with uh, Paul's reading of the potential implication. That is, one of the most powerful roles that the court has is in what Professor Stuart Scheingold describes as the politics of rights. Their rulings can help to legitimate certain values and can help to delegitimate uh, other values by rejecting them or accepting them. And in this case, the narrow the legal ruling of 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 the uh, Windsor cases were actually quite narrow it's a federalism ruling and conservatives who have long said the federal government shouldn't regulate families that's for the states will be cheered you know that's the silver lining to the ruling and but, Paul, the, the, but on the broader mm -hmm. implication the politics of rights this uh, the the majority opinion gives very broad rhetorical endorsement for principles that's certainly can, in the political sphere, lead to more um, recognition of gay rights or gay marriage because the, of the rhetoric and the, the political values that it embodies. So as a political decision, it will have uh, implications that um, will probably promote same-sex marriage in a, as a matter of political values. As a legal decision, it doesn't do that. You're listening to Access Utime. Tom Williams, we're talking, uh, uh, getting your reaction uh, to the uh, the rulings on uh, gay marriage from the U.S. Supreme Court yesterday. They struck down a key provision of the Federal Defense of Marriage Act. They sent uh, California's Proposition 8 back to the appellate court. And we're talking on this part of the program with Paul Burke and uh, with uh, Lynn Wardle, who is Bruce C. Hafen, professor of law at Brigham Young University. Later on in the program, we're going to be talking with Valerie Larrabee from the Utah Pride Center and Paul Merrill with the Sutherland Institute. Uh, and you're welcome to join the conversation at 1-800-826-1495. We'll be getting to your comments on email and Facebook here shortly, and uh, we do have a couple uh, uh, in line. Uh, be patient. We'll get to your comments. Uh, UPRAccess, gmail.com, and Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Uh, so, Paul Burke, you were, just to conclude this, uh, you're seeing that uh, perhaps in the future, maybe the near future, uh, cases will uh, come back to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court may rule generally um, nationwide in, in favor of uh, gay marriage? Yes. Um, I think it's inevitable that the United States Supreme Court will recognize uh, a federal constitutional right to marriage equality. I think Justice Scalia recognized as much in his dissent and sees the writing in the wall. I agree that the immediate effect of the DOMA decision is, is narrow with respect to Section 3 of DOMA. But Supreme Court decisions are, by their very nature, broad in their implications. And this isn't a political decision. This is a legal decision by the highest court in our land interpreting the United States Constitution. And it's put the writing on the wall that gay Americans are entitled to equality under the law and are entitled to their fundamental rights, including the right to marry.
Let me uh, get the this comment that came in by email. This is a very interesting comment. This is from uh, Mon Gregory. Uh, he said, my husband and I were the first gay couple to have our wedding announcement printed in the Salt Lake Tribune in 1995. Our five-month-old daughter was part of our ceremony. She has just graduated from uh, Tuacon High School in Ivans, Utah. Eighteen years of parenting have taught us that every character trait, tenderness, strength, patience, cleanliness, diligence, humor that makes a man a good father equally makes a woman a good mother and vice versa. And every trait that makes a man a bad father, impatience, a bad temper, emotional distance, inconsistency, laziness, makes a woman a bad mother and vice versa. Likewise, every kind of personal know-how a parent can pass on to a child, throwing a baseball, baking bread, balancing a spreadsheet, putting together a stylish outfit, programming a computer, reading music, gardening, camping, scrapbooking is just as valuable whether it's taught by a father or a mother and whether it is uh, learned by a girl or a boy. So thanks for that comment, uh, Mon. Uh, I want to maybe direct this to uh, Professor Wardle. Um, this, uh, what, what Mon is saying, that, uh, that you know, two fathers can be just as good as parents as uh, a, a mother and a father. Uh, so the, the essential question is, what, uh, what's the harm in, in gay marriage? Well, the, uh, there, there are three or four questions embedded in that, Tom, and let me respond uh, to, to them briefly. First, we should make clear that the decision of the Supreme Court in both Windsor and Perry has nothing to do, that is, does not address that. The court does not address same-sex parenting uh, or whether Actually, states must legalize same-sex marriage. Let me, uh, 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 rather, Paul Burke, let me, let's have Professor Wardle answer first, and then we'll have a response from you. Go ahead, Professor so, Wardle. Yeah. In fact, the court's emphasis in the Windsor case was on the fact that states had chosen to confer this special dignity, 12 states now, have chosen to confer this special dignity on same-sex couples, and the federal government is not constitutionally allowed to second-guess them. That is a matter for the states to decide. So its description of the equality and the liberty of same-sex marriage was as a matter of state policy decision, not as a matter of constitutional mandate. The mandate is if the state has made that policy decision, the federal government cannot second-guess it. It just must respect it, whether it's one way or the other. With regard to same-sex parenting, let me first commend whoever wrote in and for being a parent and obviously doing a good job if their child is a student at that very excellent high school for the arts, they are to be commended. And any adults who undertake the responsibilities and duties of parenthood deserve to be congratulated and supported. At the same time, I think that it's very clear that children generally do best when raised by a mother and a father, by their biological mom and dad, whenever that's possible. It's not always possible, but that's the ideal and that's the standard. That's why dual gender, male-female marriage has been the gold standard of interpersonal relationships throughout history and still is, because they work best. Uh, Paul Burke, I, I know you want to, to respond. First of all, uh, I heard you disagreeing with uh, Professor Wardle uh, that uh, the adoption children was, was not addressed in these, these yes, rulings. Yes, that's absolutely right. And the professor has, has misrepresented what the Supreme Court wrote. Uh, let me read to you uh, uh, from the majority opinion. It says, quote, And it, referring to DOMA, humiliates tens of thousands of children now being raised by same-sex couples. The law in question makes it even more difficult for the children to understand the integrity and closeness of their own family and its concord with other families in their community and in their daily lives, end quote. I don't see in light of that and other provisions in the decision how Professor Wardle can make the representation that he just did. So the, so the two of you disagree on that. Uh, let's let's no, move no, on no. to... We don't, no, no, we're not yes. entitled... Professor Wardle isn't entitled to make up a Supreme Court decision. Mm. I just read to you what it actually says. What about the Supreme the... Court decision yesterday made clear that it's not permissible for the state and for governments to denigrate the lives and the families 
of gay people. I wonder if you could uh, address the the merits the merits of that argument, uh, Paul Burke. Um, that you know that uh, that Mon was was talking about. He he says he he and his husband are are uh, you know have raised their I think it's a daughter, um, and, and that uh, you know two men two women can do just as well as a man and a woman. Uh, what's the and argument on the other side there? Well, that that's exactly what the social science tells us, and. Uh, and I challenge Professor Wardle right here and now uh, to tell me whether he thinks the social science says that gay parents are inferior. That, do you believe that's true? Do yeah. you believe the social science? Professor Wardle, what, uh, what, what do you see in the social science? Well, uh, first, that let me respond to his misrepresentation of the court's decision. With all due respect, Paul, the court made those comments specifically the in the context court. of federal recognition of state legalized same-sex marriage. And by denying federal benefits, including benefits that flow to the children, the court was saying, you, by doing this, have chosen to deprive those children of benefits that the state intended them to have, and by so doing are humiliating them. You can't do that. That decision, whether to recognize those relationships, same-sex couples, as married, uh, uh, is entirely for the states. It is not for Congress to second-guess the states. Uh, Now, with regard to parenting, no, Paul, I do not accept your characterization at all. I do believe that the social science is overwhelmingly clear that children flourish best and do best and thrive best, have better educational outcomes, have better uh, socialization outcomes, fewer problems with criminalization and juvenile delinquency, and further problems down the road with regard to use of drugs. When they're raised by a mother and father who are married to each other, rather than when they're raised in alternative family styles, including same-sex parenting. The results of that for the children are clearly more troubling and more disadvantaged. Uh, No, they're not inferior by any means. Children are not inferior, but children can be disadvantaged by lifestyle choices, and this is one lifestyle choice that has a disadvantage uh, for children. There's no social science that's valid that supports that. And you are misrepresenting the state of social science, and you're violating BYU's honor code in making representations of that nature. Hmm. Well, let me let me look to Prop Eight. Let me uh, let me go ahead. Have to... a law review, uh, an entire issue of law review articles that have come out, which we had people pro and con. And one thing that was absolutely clear was that I would be more than happy to present this issue and the state of the social science of BYU's children who are raised in other forms than mom and dad marriage. Well, let me move on to, uh, to to looking to the future, especially as regards um, how the Supreme Court might resolve differences among the states. Let me tar- start with Professor Wardle on this. Um, you know, I, I think Perhaps this is not the not the end, and there, there are going to be disagreements among the states. There already are disagreements among the states. Some have put into their constitutions um, the traditional marriage. Others have allowed gay marriage. Um, and uh, I wonder, uh, we've already talked about the, looking to the future, but right now, what do these rulings say about requirements of, say, Utah to accept um, another state's uh, gay marriage provisions, or vice versa. How, how, do, how does this get resolved state to state or interstate um, under the current rulings? Professor Wardle. Uh, Tom, your question is a, a very good one because it's the logical next step. Uh, states historically, from the very beginning, from the time our Constitution was adopted, states have had the right to decide for themselves whether and to what extent they will recognize domestic relationships created in other states. Uh, In 1996, Congress Congress was, when it looked like the first state was going to legalize same-sex marriage, Congress passed the Defense of Marriage Act. Section 2 of that act, which was not at all involved in the case yesterday, says each state can decide for itself whether or not it will recognize same-sex marriages from other states. 
the power of Congress to make that determination is very different than the power of Congress that was relied on in Section 3, which was struck down yesterday. The power of Congress to determine whether one state will recognize same-sex marriages from another state comes from Article 4, Section 1 of the Constitution, which gives Congress the authority to determine the effect of laws in one state, that the effect that those laws from one state will have in other states. Laws, as well as records, that is, like marriage certificates uh, and judgments. And the court said, we're leaving this for each state to decide for itself. Article 4 of the Constitution explicitly gives Congress the authority to make those rules. So Section 2 of DOMA is clearly based on a very strong constitutional basis, and I don't think that it will be affected. Now, some of the rhetoric or dicta uh, the sort of the political dicta in the majority opinion by Justice Kennedy is going to be uh, taken out of context and applied by advocates of forcing Utah to recognize New York same-sex marriages. But they'll not succeed um, because the, that Section 2 of DOMA is clearly based on a constitutional authority that is unquestioned. Paul Burke, uh, what's your sense? Right now, not looking to the, uh, any future ruling from the Supreme Court, the rulings we have right now, how does that affect state-to-state uh, disputes or, or recognition of, of each other's laws? I expect that we will see uh, challenges to, to the constitutionality of Section 2 of DOMA. Uh, I also expect that we will see uh, a political movement in Washington, D.C., to repeal uh, the current uh, version of DOMA and to replace it with a civil rights act that would use the, the exact constitutional power that Professor Wardle mentioned to flip the assumption so that Congress will use its constitutional powers to require states to recognize the marriages of their sister states. So you wouldn't come to a place where Utah would be at least compelled by federal legislation to uh, issue marriage licenses, but the state of Utah would, under that uh, change in the law, could be required to recognize marriages entered in other states. Let me just get a final brief word from each of you. Uh, we'll be moving on to our next panel here, but uh, just a general reaction uh, first with Professor Wardle. Uh, my general conclusion is that the decision of the Supreme Court in the uh, Windsor case, the DOMA case, is technically and legally quite narrow. It's limited to this narrow area where you have the overlap of equality principles, liberty principles, and federalism principles. And the result is to say the federal government cannot second-guess the states if they choose to legalize same-sex marriage. The federal government must do so. I disagree with that. I think it's a misreading of federalism. But that is the focus, the holding, and the extent of the ruling. Politically, I think it's going to stimulate a whole lot of discussion. The media is already giving it a very broad interpretation. Uh, and so uh, politically, it's going to give a shot in the arm to the movement that le for legalization of same-sex marriage. I don't doubt that there will be efforts in Congress to uh, use congressional power to force states to recognize, if not to legalize, same-sex marriage. I think the decision prohibits Congress from forcing them to legalize same-sex marriage. I think that's the gist uh, of the, of the uh, Windsor decision. But it may uh, lead to an effort to use Congress's Article, one, Article 4 powers to force interstate recognition. I doubt that that will pass. I don't think that that's got the political legs yet. But in five years, who knows? We live in a dynamic world, and values are changing, and so you never can predict what will happen in five years. And uh, Paul Burke, uh, your, your conclusions. There is no doubt that the decisions yesterday are a victory for all Americans, and particularly gay and lesbian Americans. Uh, because they have moved our country uh, closer to being a more perfect union where all people are recognized uh, as equal under the law. And I 
I look forward to the day and think it is soon coming when Utah's system of discrimination will be completely uh, eliminated and that all Americans, including gay Americans, will enjoy their constitutional rights. Paul Burke, along with uh, his colleague uh, Brett Tolman, uh, wrote a brief uh, to the Supreme Court on behalf of the Utah Pride Center and uh, has joined us. And we've been talking with Lynn Wardle, Bruce C. Hafen, Professor of Law to Brigham Young University. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And uh, coming up following a break, we're going to be continuing this discussion, hopefully with you as well. You can join us at 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com, or you can comment on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. We'll be talking with uh, Paul Merrow with the Sutherland Institute and uh, Valerie Larrabee, who's with the Utah Pride Center. And we're asking you, do you think the Supreme Court got it right? What, does the, what do these rulings mean for Utah and for you? What comes next? And are you generally in favor of gay marriage? We'd love to get your comments. And the number is 1-800-826-1495. You can join us at, on email, upraxis at gmail.com, or on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. We'll be giving you some Facebook comments which have come in uh, following the break as well. Did you know that by repeatedly tasting fruits and vegetables, children can increase their liking of these foods? To accomplish this, parents should supply a fruit and a vegetable at lunch and dinner. Small incentives are a good way to promote initial and repeated tasting of these foods. As your child learns to enjoy fruits and vegetables, the incentives become unnecessary. Make it fun and you will make a difference in your child's food choices. Did You Know That is made possible by the USU Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services. More at cehs.usu.edu. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members, and Salt Lake Acting Company presents 35th Annual Saturday's Voyeur, a party and a play at SLAC's annual music satire. More information at 801-363-7522 or online at saltlakeactingcompany.org. You're listening to Access Utah, and of course we are responding to two landmark rulings from the U.S. Supreme Court that happened yesterday. They struck down a key provision of the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, declaring that same-sex couples who are legally married deserve equal rights to benefits under federal law. The court also sent California's Proposition 8, which defines marriage as only between a man and a woman, back to the appellate court. And we're asking you, what do you think of these rulings? Did the Supreme Court get it right? What does this mean for you? What comes next? And are you in favor of gay marriage? Why or why not? And uh, we bring in now uh, Valerie Larrabee, Executive Director of the Utah Pride Center. Uh, Valerie Larrabee, welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you this morning. Thank you for joining us. Paul Merrow uh, from the Southern Institute joins us. Welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. And let me get a couple of comments in here from our Facebook page. By the way, you can comment here, Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Mary Ann Crow Muffaletto uh, says, Justly married. And the picture on our Facebook page is uh, two gentlemen in uh, suits, embracing, and on their backs a, a sign that says, Just married. So she says, Justly married. Sue Sanborn uh, says, Thrilled with the decisions. And we'll get a couple of other comments as we go along on our Facebook page. You can uh, join us as well at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Love to get your reaction to the uh, rulings, how this affects you, uh, what do you think the future will hold, where do you think we should go. And the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Uh, you can join us uh, by the telephone. Valerie Larrabee, what's your reaction to these two rulings? Uh, it, well, it, those are, it, there's so many emotions, it's um, hard to wrap my arms around it. But I, I think that I have to bring it back um, to the core for me, and, and I think that my experience will be relatable by so many other people. That I served our country uh, proudly for 10 years um, in the Air Force. Uh, I'm a tax-paying American, and I have a beautiful wife, and... Um, I, my day and my hope uh, for our future in this country um, is incredibly optimistic. And uh, Paul Merrill, your general reaction? Uh, it's along the lines of what I heard Professor Wardle say. You know, it's, uh, uh, I know that the decisions have a different meaning for different people, um, but uh, for us, 
at Sutherland Institute. We're a state-based think tank, and what we care about is Utah. And these decisions had had uh, no effect on law and policy in this state, uh, even if it affects uh, individuals like Valerie in a positive manner. And uh, uh, Valerie, um, this uh, Amendment Three remains in force. What, what's your reaction to that? We have always been um, uh, looking at opportunities to challenge that decision, um, and I think that the work that's been done here uh, by many Utahns um, that uh, have formed a, a quite a strong progressive movement uh, will one day pay off, and I think that um, Utah in general will um, live under a different uh standard coming coming in our future. Mm. Paul Merrow, do you sense a, uh, a sea change nationally? Uh, this is, uh, it seems to be, you read uh, public opinion polls, it seems to have been a, a big shift in the last 10 years in favor of gay marriage. Yeah, I don't think there'll be a sea change. I, I think uh, politics of uh, uh, gay rights will continue to play itself out naturally and uh, certainly these decisions uh, create a obligatory optimism for supporters of, of gay rights. Um, my guess is is that is that uh, the pressure will continue here in Utah to uh, to pass uh, uh, like a statewide non-discrimination ordinance and and then uh, based on the lawsuit that's currently filed against Amendment Three here in Utah, that there will be added political pressure to any legal pressures to uh, try to try to undo uh, our uh, or reverse our constitutional amendment on marriage so I don't think I, I, I don't think it'll be a sea change at all I think it's kind of a it, it's kind of a Roe v Wade moment again uh, uh, without the without the mandate from the Supreme Court it, it creates a a political Roe v. Wade moment, where uh, all this decision does is continue to be very divisive as a political issue. Um, but like I said, and, and I'm speaking as somebody who's who's just kind of a, a soldier, a warrior in in this war, this culture war, and uh, so it doesn't bother me. The fight at all doesn't bother me. It's what I do, but. Uh, uh, but I think for average citizens, it'll it'll just uh, be divisive, and uh, I, I I'd like to say unnecessarily so. But I know that others on the other side think that it's necessary. And uh, Paul Morrow, just following up, do you sure. think in the end uh, the Supreme Court will just allow this long term to remain with the states, and and states individually will have different rules on this? I uh, I I I do. Um, Although uh, I do believe that uh, Justice Kennedy's language, uh, where he focused on animus, like he did in Romer, like he like he brought up in the whole Lawrence decision, he seems to be the animus guy on this issue for the court. And uh, and I think uh, Scalia's uh, stinging dissent uh, really highlights that point that. Uh, uh, that, that down the road, uh, those of us who believe in traditional marriage uh, will be called out more and more just as, as bigots. And, and, and then this is going to go to the religious freedom rights of individuals. And that's why this is kind of an ugly fight, uh, and I hope an unnecessary one. But it's, it's, here's, here's what's inevitable, not not uh, the uh, victory of gay rights. Here's what's inevitable, and that is that religious freedom is going to be attacked. Valerie Larrabee, uh, I wonder if you agree with that. This is a setting up a fight uh, between civil rights, uh, which would argue for, for, for gay right to, to marry, and um, you know, the rights of those who believe otherwise so for religious rights. Um, well, I think that that's been a long-standing um, um, message that has come from the conservative side of this issue that uh it's you know that the religious freedom is the real uh the real thing that's at stake and i would disagree vehemently that the real thing that is at stake is um 
one or more individuals' freedom under the Constitution to marry the person that they choose and to raise their children in a safe and affirming environment and to also remove the stigma uh, in society about who we are as a people. We're getting some comments uh, coming in on Facebook. I wanted uh, to run these uh, past you. We're talking with Paul Merrill from Sutherland Institute and with Valerie Larrabee, who's with the Utah Pride Center. We're talking about the rulings, uh, significant rulings from the Supreme Court on gay marriage that came out yesterday. And uh, you can join us at 1-800-826-1495, or you can join us at our Utah Public Radio Facebook page or by email, upraxcess at gmail.com. And uh, this is what uh, Stephen Amott says. Uh, he, responding to our question, did the Supreme Court get it right? He says the Supreme Court did not get it right, and they don't have a prayer. To suppose that this type of living is acceptable is totally beyond comprehension. Society is void of moral character, and the downward spiral has shifted to a straight line, thus speeding up the deterioration. One cannot vacillate between the popular thought of the time and what is actually right, but must remain on course, steadfast in his pursuit. Now, while this type of living is purely wrong, we have got to love our brother just the same. That's uh, Stephen Amott on our Utah Public Radio Facebook uh, page. Uh, I wonder, um, Paul Merrow, Valerie Larrabee, are, are you hearing sentiment like like this first, Paul Merrow? Uh, well, I, 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 yeah, I mean, you hear these kinds of things on both sides all the time, but I think it does, I think it does highlight one of the central um, uh, paradigms differences between the two camps and uh and maybe i can say it this way um uh you know uh on uh, in our camp on on the conservative side typically we see uh, we we view homosexuality as sexual behavior you know as as and and in this case related to marriage you know non-conjugal sexual relationships and so it, it's kind of unfathomable to this paradigm that I just described uh, that we would that we would have such a civil rights type fervor over it we don't see it as skin color we don't see it as innate and uh, and yet the other side does and that's actually part of the issue and then it goes to the to uh, what uh, uh, Valerie mentioned about the, the getting rid of the stigma, and this is why I say ultimately we're going to get down to a struggle over religious freedom because because you're you're not going to get rid of the quote unquote stigma, for instance, inside the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Homosexuality will always be seen as a sin, and so you know if you're if you're wanting complete, total public approbation where everyone believes. Uh, and justifies these non-conjugal sexual relationships as equal to conjugal sexual relationships. Well, you're 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 stuck in this in this inevitable battle for uh, individual conscience and religious freedom. Valerie Larrabee, um, this, this important point, one of the points that Mr. Merrow just raised, I believe you you probably do see an equivalency here in a, in a civil rights type movement. As someone, um, again, that, you know, put my signature on the line to fight for our country, um, I believe that my relationship with my wife uh, is as honorable as um, some of the peers that I served with at the time that I was in the military. And, and so it, from that standpoint, I think it's an American issue. Let me and get it. Would, oh, go ahead. I would um, take issue with uh, Mr. Merrill's comments about, uh, the stigma. And I, I think that what messages I have heard from people in the church is that they're asking their uh, mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandparents to support their gay youth and to love them and to nurture them. And I think that that's a really important thing to point out. It is still spoken that they can't be an active member of the church if they act on their sexuality. Um, and, you know, that's, a, that's something for the church to work out. But they are saying to their mothers and fathers that you love your kids and you don't kick them out and you don't encourage, you know, other family members to shun them. And I think that that's why this is a human issue. 
And by the way, Tom, if that's all we're talking about is just being kind to each other and loving our own family members, then there is no there is no fight. There's there's complete agreement on that. But that's not what the fight is over. The fight is over complete public approbation under the law uh, in our culture uh, to accept uh, homosexual, non-conjugal sexual relationships as as uh, moral, as legally equal and valid to conjugal sexual relationships. If you just joined us, we're talking about uh, the uh, Supreme Court rulings yesterday on gay marriage. We're talking with Paul Merrill from Sutherland Institute and with Valerie Larrabee from the Utah Pride Center. We'd love to get your comment. Uh, we just have another uh, five or six minutes left in the program, but we could get your comment in if you... Uh, you respond quickly. Uh, you can respond on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. A lot of comments coming in there. You can give us an email, upraxcess at gmail.com, or the phone number if you'd like to call us, 1-800-826-1495. Here's a comment from Judy Iverson on our Facebook page. She says, I'm in favor of all kinds of marriages because it promotes monogamy, responsibility of one another, and tolerance. These ideas are important to learn and practice no matter where you come from. That's Judy Iverson. And here's a question, uh, Michelle Welch on her Facebook page. She says, I have a question. Since each, since each state recognizes marriages from other states, I'm assuming uh, from the Full Faith and Credit Act, wouldn't they also have to recognize a gay marriage performed in another state just the same? Let me uh, point this to Paul Merrill first. That's probably, that last question's probably a better one for those attorneys that were... Uh, yeah, that's probably so true. ...rudely stumbling <laughs> over each other. But... Uh, no, I, I, uh, current law is, is, that, uh, is that one state does not have to recognize uh, uh, the uh, same-sex marriage from another state. So, uh, you know, again, uh, this, this, these decisions uh, yesterday, they don't, they don't affect uh, Utah law legally or in public policy. It's just now uh, another aspect of the political football. And this comes in from Mon Gregory. We heard a comment from him earlier, uh, and you can see that. He's posted it as well on our Facebook page, so you can more easily see this uh, comment about uh, him and his husband raising children. Uh, he writes back in, he said, The point is not whether people like Mr. Merrow approve of us. The point is equal protection under the law. Also, please, Mr. Merrow, name one religious right that is threatened by the court's decision or one way that traditional families are harmed. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I. Uh, you know, that's that's always a very uh, clever rhetorical device about who's harmed under this, and in fact, it's something that uh, that Justice Kennedy talks about. But the reality is, is that you have you have down the road conflicting constitutional rights, and here's an example. So, in uh, there's a push for a statewide non-discrimination ordinance on housing and employment. Uh, it's been around for several years, legislative years, and, uh, and it'll continue to be, my guess is. But, but there are conflicting rights having to do with that, and, and one of them primarily is individual conscience and, and religious belief, uh, so much so that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints got itself exempted from the Salt Lake Ordinance that it supported. Uh, and, and it doesn't support a statewide ordinance unless there's a provision for individual conscience. That's the fight. And, and if, I have to, if I have to, as, as a landlord or as an employer, if I have to accept and believe in the idea that non-conjugal sexual relationships trump every other aspect of me being a landlord and private property rights, or me being an employer in an at-will employment state, or me being a, 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 a religious a person of faith uh, just in my daily life. Well, you know, we're going to have this fight. And, uh, and so there, these are conflicting rights. So there's an example. Let me uh, direct this next question. Probably our last question comes in by email uh, to Valerie Larrabee. This is Tiffany. <clears throat> she uh, emails us. Uh, she says the government should just stop recognizing marriages entirely. Instead, they should only recognize civil unions, homosexual or heterosexual, and leave marriages as a religious ceremony. 
I doubt this would ever happen, but let's face it, the fact that we recognize some marriages and don't recognize others is blatant discrimination. Um, that's Tiffany. Uh, your response, Valerie Larby. Well, this has been um, something that's been spoken about for many, many years, and um, there are those um, that are uh, having the discussion about the word marriage and what it means uh, to each and every individual. And I think that it's it's actually been marriage as a religious ceremony and marriage as a civic uh, entitlement um, have been collapsed, and I think that that's where a lot of the uh, the trouble in being able to sort this issue out. And that's why the religious freedom uh, conversation is uh, predominantly used by uh, the conservatives. We just have a couple minutes left, so maybe a minute each. Uh, Paul Merrill first from Southern Institute, maybe your last conclusions on this topic. I, I just think that, uh, that Justice Kennedy and his rhetoric uh, just... Uh, uh, you could tell from the comments earlier from attorney Paul Burke, he's got this uh, passion uh, now and this obligatory optimism that, uh, that will only lead to more political conflict. The conflict will come to Utah uh, sooner rather than later. It already is under the surface quite a bit, but, but it'll come to the surface. Uh, I know there's lots of uh, Utahns, uh, relatively speaking, uh, who support gay rights, and uh, there are many more who don't, and it, it's just too bad. Uh, like I said, you know, uh, some of us are built for the fight and don't mind it, and that's what we're here to do, but, but it's just too bad that, it's, that it has to happen, that it will happen, and uh, we just encourage every citizen who's listening to, to become educated on these issues. And Valerie Larrabee, we'll give you the final word about a minute uh, on this topic. Yeah, thank you. I um, I, I wanted to say that for us, uh, this is not a fight. Uh, this is um, seeking equal protection under the law, and that uh, what the decisions um, said to us yesterday was that um, for the 93 million people that live in states um, where marriage is about to be legal. Um, that they can raise their kids um, and be able to have their kids go to school and talk about their married parents. And, you know, the, the, the future of our country is in the hands of our young people, and I think that the sentiment that exists within the younger population is that, that adults today are really getting this wrong, um, particularly uh, along the religious lines, because America has many religions and many beliefs and one constitution. We are out of time. Uh, very interesting discussion. It can continue. We hope it will on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, or you could go to our website, upr.org. We've been talking with Valerie Larrabee, Executive Director of Utah Pride Center. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Paul Marrow with the Southern Institute. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. Very professional. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we have coming up... Um, Brian Earle with the Zesty Garden. Hope you'll join him, top of the hour. And for uh, producers uh, uh, Haley Housley, Addison Pace, and uh, Bennett Purser, I'm uh, Tom Williams. Thanks for listening. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1, 89.5 Logan. KUSK HD1, 88.5 Vernal. KUSL HD1, 89.3 Richfield. KUST HD1, 88.7 Moab. And KUSU FM HD1, 91.5 Logan. And again, thank you for listening. This is Addison Pace with Utah Public Radio. You can check out this broadcast or any of our other broadcasts at upr.org or on our Facebook page.